Today is a rare day when readers and listeners on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean can agree that this is 4423, as well as being 4423. Such a day is one of harmony, with hopefully less confusion, as two distinct naming systems come into convergence for just a short time. Will this affect the content of this edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement? You will have to read or listen to the end to find out. I'm Sean Tubbs, keen to get to the bottom of this meaningless question. On today's program, Natalie Oshrin has entered the race for three Democratic nominations to Charlottesville City Council. Charlottesville may soon drop restrictions that have prevented in-person meetings of many boards and commissions. City Council gets an update on how it pays its employees and if it's enough. A narrow waitlist window is open for people to apply for a federal housing choice voucher operated through the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. And Charlottesville seeks firms to come up with a master plan for the Parks and Recreation Department. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, it's no joke! What better place for a book sale than Albemarle Square Shopping Center? Saturday marked the official beginning of the JMRL Friends of the Library Spring Book Sale. 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day this week in the former Northside Library space. Book sale manager Peter Mano and a mighty team of staff and volunteers have worked hard for weeks and all year long, sorting books and setting up the sale, which will feature all kinds of books. Shop early and often as the sale is restocked daily. Half price days are April 8th and April 9th. That's the JMRL Friends of the Library Spring Book Sale. One of the six shortlisted candidates for a city council vacancy earlier this year has filed paperwork with the Virginia Department of Elections to run for one of the three seats up for election in the fall. Natalie Oshrin has filed to run as a candidate in the June 20th Democratic primary. Oshrin joins fellow challenger Deshad Cooper and incumbents Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook, who are officially in the quest to get on the primary ballot. Former city councilor Bob Fenwick is also collecting signatures, but has not yet filed a statement of qualification with the Virginia Department of Elections. Would-be candidates for the primary have until Thursday at 5 p.m. to complete all of the necessary paperwork and turn in enough signatures from qualified voters. Independent candidates have until June 20th to complete the necessary paperwork. On her campaign website, Oshrin states she wants to decrease residential setbacks, reduce parking minimums, and create more incentives for creating more below-market units. She's also for finding a way to get the University of Virginia to make a payment in lieu of taxes for land it owns within city limits. Among localities in the region, Charlottesville is the only one still operating with pandemic-era restrictions on who can attend meetings and who can have in-person ones. That's despite ending the local COVID-19 emergency at their meeting on September 6, 2022. That action allowed meetings to only be held in person if there was appropriate space on city properties, sufficient staff are on hand to maintain distancing protocols, and measures are in place to stop the spread of COVID-19. 
Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers announced last night at City Council that those restrictions will soon be removed. We are currently working to remove the continuing resolution, which has been active since September 6, 2022. The resolution was issued to preserve Council's ability to maintain safety protocols for all meetings of the government while balancing the ongoing concerns uh, with COVID-19. A new resolution will come before council at their April 17th meeting that will set new protocols for all boards and commissions. We will propose the return to in-person meetings effective May 1, your first meeting of of the month. Councilor Michael Payne asked if the forthcoming end of the federal public health emergency on May 11th would prevent the city from using virtual meetings going forward. Staff with the city attorney's office said they would need to do further research. Like all localities in Virginia, Charlottesville is governed by the open meetings provision in the Freedom of Information Act. The General Assembly amended the law in 2022 to permit some bodies to have two virtual meetings per year. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors were among groups that have asked for further flexibility. The legality of virtual meetings and actions approved at them is perhaps an open question in the Commonwealth, since the Virginia Supreme Court ruled last month that Fairfax County lacked the authority to adopt an updated zoning code at a virtual meeting in the spring of 2021. A consultant is recommending a series of changes to the way that Charlottesville arranges and pays for city jobs, but has concluded that the pay scales are generally attractive to potential employees who want a job in the public sector. Beverly Moultrie is a principal consultant with the firm Gallagher. Overall, the city salaries are highly competitive. However, the city lags behind private sector salaries by about 5.6%, according to the research. Last year, Charlottesville hired the firm Gallagher to look at 225 job titles and 993 employees in Charlottesville government. Primary objectives of the study were basically to evaluate your jobs, to determine the relative worth and internal equity for those jobs, also to determine the uh, the hierarchical order of the jobs to ensure that all of the jobs were um, uh, were being represented appropriately. The study found that many job titles and descriptions are out of date. Another outcome was an analysis of current pay ranges against what similar jobs pay across the region. There was a perception that the range minimums were too low, a perception that the current base salary were also too low, and also a perception that pay compression issues existed. Pay compression is when people who have been in a job longer than recent hirees are paid less. The study recommends the minimum annual salary should be $31,200, based on a minimum hourly wage of $15 an hour. Starting pay for transit operators is at $21 an hour, or $43,680 a year. The study also comes with costs to implement a new pay structure. The cost to bring 202 employees up to the minimum will be $665,752, The cost to bring 666 employees to the midpoint of their salary range would be nearly $7.5 million. Staff has not yet made a recommendation on how to proceed, but that will come back before council in the near future. The work that remains to be done is uh, to look at where each employee falls on this new pay scale. Some people will be competitive, you know, at the scale. Some will be 
above the scale. We have to decide how to make the appropriate adjustment. Rogers did not have a date for when that will come back to council, but reminded council that the proposed budget for fiscal year 24 has a cost of living increase of 6%. That increase is not factored into the compensation study. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Livable Seaville has another event coming up that they want you to know about and consider attending. On April 19th at 6.30 p.m., Brian Coleman, second vice president of the NAACP's Arlington branch, will provide examples from Arlington on missing middle housing, racial equity, and opportunity. As Charlottesville continues a zoning rewrite intended to increase residential density, Coleman will discuss the relationship between Arlington's current housing debates and racial equity and opportunity. Stay for the question and answer period to hear a local perspective from Sunshine Mathon, Executive Director of the Piedmont Housing Alliance. That's another Livable Seville webinar coming up on April 19th. Register on Eventbrite. Two more segments to go today. A very small window has opened for people who would like to receive a housing voucher issued by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Here is City Councilor Michael Payne, a voting member of the CRHA's Board of Commissioners. Applications are accepted online at portal.sevillerha.com and people can contact CRHA with questions at 434-422-9218. The window opened Monday morning at 9 a.m. and closes at 4 p.m. on Thursday. Applications have to be completed online. Here's a section from a press release sent out on March 23rd. The HCV program is a rental assistance program that assists extremely low-income and very low-income families with their rent in the private market. Applicants for the waitlist noted may qualify at 50% of the area median income. Preference is given to Albemarle County and Charlottesville residents. For more information, visit the CRHA's website on the voucher program. The city of Charlottesville has never created a master plan for its entire parks and recreation system, but that could change now that a request for proposals has been issued for such a document. Here's a section from that proposal. The Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Department hopes to have clear direction on how to prioritize improvements and connections of current facilities, parks and trails, a build-out strategy, recommendations pertaining to recreation program offerings, recommendations on how best to utilize recreation centers, as well as recommendations for equitable advancing of recreation and health throughout the city. Work to guide changes and additions to city parks have been guided by individual master plans and needs assessments. According to the proposal, the city's Parks and Recreation Department has an operating budget of $12 million a year, with over 70 full-time equivalents who work in 27 parks. 
There is between $1.5 million and $2.6 million in capital funds allocated to the park system each year. Here's a further description. There are over 3,443 acres, ranging from a small pocket parks of less than one acre to 300 acres of natural area, two large reservoirs, and nearly six miles of paved trails, and about 30 miles of nature trails, four recreation centers, two indoor pools, two outdoor pools, and four outdoor spray grounds, a skate park, an 18-hole golf course, and multiple farmers market and other co-owned assets with Albemarle County. The work will include a needs assessment, but also includes two optional add-ons. Alternative A would ask for conceptual plans for Market Street Park and Court Square Park. And Alternative B would ask for a list of improvements at Benjamin Tonsler Park and Booker T. Washington Park. Bids for firms to complete the work are due on May 9th. That is the end of this edition, number 516, and it is quite possible that the normal routine is back in place, and there will be many editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement this week. It is also quite possible that the lack of balance on the naming of dates may continue to disrupt, but I will try to hold it together. I am able to produce all of these newsletters and podcasts due to readers and listeners who opt for a paid subscription. That gets them a little bit more content, perhaps a shout-out or two, and my gratitude. Ting matches the initial payment, allowing that much more fuel to produce this program. If you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you will get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Vraki for incidental music in the podcast, which you cannot hear unless you listen to it. Check out the work on Bandcap, and thank you very much for... This. Yes.